You don't know Jack, but Bad Crypto does, and you're about to meet him. His name is Jack Tatar, and he's co-author of the book, Crypto Assets, The Innovative Investor's Guide to Bitcoin and Beyond. Jack joins us to discuss why crypto should be recognized as a top investing asset alongside stocks, bonds, gold, silver, and bills. We'll also tell you how one ICO raised $830,000 with Ryan Gosling as their site designer, and big news in the crypto world as the Dictionary of Record now recognizes cryptocurrency. Whatever the weather may be in your location, it's sunny and beautiful in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. Prawns are on the Barbie, so grab a cool one and kick back for episode number 95 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Hi, this is Joshua from Michigan. You're listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. The Bad Crypto Podcast is brought to you by Staff Virtual. Right now, the entire crypto space is full of like these rapidly expanding companies, and they're drowning in user support requests. So our sponsor, Staff Virtual, they knows what it takes to uh, to grow your company fast. And one of the hardest things to do is to deal with customer support. So if you're a company in the crypto space, check it out. Uh, they have an expertise in customer support, and they have applied that to the cryptocurrency space. StaffVirtual.com. Boom. I hope you guys have started requesting your Bad Crypto Podcast stickers. Remember, we talked about this in episode 94. And if you're not sure how to uh, to actually get them, go to badco.in forward slash 094, because there you're going to find an address to send a self-addressed stamped envelope. All you got to do is put one stamp on the envelope, put your name and address in the middle of it, and then fold that up and put it in the envelope that you send to the address in Kansas City. We'll send you back five bad crypto podcast stickers and one bad coin sticker and uh, you may or may not stick those stickers somewhere interesting take a picture and upload them on twitter instagram facebook and tag at bad crypto and use the hashtag stay bad make us to laugh make us go make us chortle <laughs> now mr joel Com, is that something that could be awarded is that a bad coinable reward no promises. No promises. Because we're not currently giving away bad coin. Mm. But we are giving away bad coin stickers. We are giving away bad coin stickers. That's true. So uh, so stick it. Anyway, the address is in episode 94. And maybe, uh, hey, Aaron, our producer, why don't you go ahead and paste that here in this episode as well so people know where to find it. Big show ahead for you guys here. So let's just get into it. Bad crypto voicemail. You have one new message. When I listen to you, everything feels... Not quite normal, because I feel stronger and weaker at the same time. I feel excited and at the same time terrified. The truth is, I don't know what I feel, except I know I want you in my life every day forever. Episode 89, Will You Marry Me? We got some news, Mr. Travis Wright, and one of them is around PayPal. One of them is around around PayPal. Pretty fascinating. PayPal just patented a crypto speed boost, and uh, apparently it is uh, solid for for Bitcoin. 
So they want to boost the speed of crypto, which is interesting because PayPal has, has you know been on the forefront of sort of the digital moving digital dollars around in the internet age, right? And so now they have a patent that they filed last week that is detailing this new system that will transfer private keys outside of the blockchain to speed up transactions. This is off-chain um, solutions that uh, will allegedly speed up crypto, Mr. Joel. Well, it's just one of the solutions that's coming. Of course, Lightning Network is under development. And if and when that happens, and I believe it will, it's uh, a lot of people think that that's what could bring Bitcoin to actual mainstream usage, right, where people are actually using it as a currency. So we'll wait, have to wait and see if that um, comes to light. Mm. And if, mm. I, like how, I, like how, I like how this article says, if they come to life and being able to do those billions of transactions per second, Bitcoin can enter mainstream usage and shoot past its mid-December price high of nearly $20,000. But that sounded very speculative, speculative right there. That was sounds like he, he thought he was a financial advisor who wrote that. Uh, yeah, because we are not financial advisors. I would like However, to, I would like to see it go past 20000 That would be a fun ride again. Let's go. I would Yeehaw! very much like to see that. Uh, so here's some news. Cryptocurrency, it's officially a word now. Because, you know, a lot of times you go to use that as a word. And check this out. Cryptocurrency, it's a word now. It's actually a thing. You know, because in the past you type cryptocurrency and it would try to autocorrect it. But the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which, of course, is the dictionary of record, has finally entered the word um, among 800 50 new words and definitions added this month. So it's not the only cryptocurrency term. Yeah, they've added all kinds. They also added uh, initial coin offering, which was interesting. They also added the term unicorn as a startup, right? A, a, a unicorn is a company that's worth more than a billion dollars. They added that. Microfinance, microcredit, that, those have also been added. Uh, subtweet, mansplain. Which should Where? actually be person's plane. I'm not sure how that's supposed to work. And, oh, are you also, really seeing? Yeah, they added a whole bunch. I found another link. And they added, hmm, oh, mm-hmm, and whelp. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to be recognized, right? I mean, this is this is just the beginning. This is hilarious, Mr. Joe Kyle. I just, as, as we were talking about it, and I, and I heard we were talking about it, but I didn't actually see this until... <laughs> <laughs> let me add, let me go in because it's so funny. So, uh, shady cur cryptocurrency touting Ryan Gosling as their designer, and if you <laughs> look at the team, it says Mirowski, our team, Kevin Bellinger, <laughs> and it's literally Ryan Gosling. Like that is so hilarious. It, the only thing it's missing under it is, hey girl, <laughs> want to have some crypto? <laughs> But they raised $30,000 for this thing. Uh, they're calling it Shifty. Morosky attracted the attention of Reddit with its crafty marketing shenanigans. And numerous uh, Redditors pointed out that the, all of the images of the team members were ripped from other people's pictures, that none of them are real. But <laughs> the one of them is uh, fake Gosling. And so uh, which makes you wonder now, since now it might have been a funny, you know, marketing ploy to add Ryan Gosling as your graphic designer, but actually have all the other people be legit, because then that could have been funny. But when none of them are legit, I wonder if they even knew that that was Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
the website also has no white paper for its investors and has all kinds of promises on there that this coin has been tested for either offering users their own decentralized bank. There is a timeline for it, but 300 investors, 380 investors gave $830,000 to this. And I have a hunch they're they're not getting it back. Their Instagram account has no posts, no followers, and no following. Do they have a Telegram? Hmm, <laughs> I, they want to, I want to talk to Gosling. Yeah. I have. I wonder if um, anybody's going to see these people ever again. And that is one of the reasons, folks, we tell you to do your own due diligence on any company you invest, any company you, you do an ICO with, you want to do, you know, look into it. Don't just take somebody's word for it because somebody said on YouTube that, oh, my God, this is going to the moon. Like, you, you can't do that. This, this stuff happens. And this is not the first time this kind of crazy stuff has happened. So uh, first time Ryan Gosling has had his own ICO, though, that's pretty fancy. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be happy to know that. Well, you guys will be happy when you hear today's feature. This is a gentleman that you met on the blockchain cruise, right? I did, yeah. And uh, Jack and I had uh, some some fun conversations. Real smart dude. And uh, yeah, he wrote a great book that uh, if you guys are interested in investing and trading in crypto, uh, reading crypto assets, his book. It would not be a bad idea. So just to get more good stuff in your brain, the more good stuff comes in, the more good stuff comes out. And uh, yeah, great interview with this dude. You guys are going to like this. You know, Mr. Travis Wright, I enjoy talking to people who are knowledgeable about cryptocurrency because we're bad. That is true. There are a lot of amazing uh, thought leaders out there. And, uh, you know, we've had the the great opportunity to bring uh, several of them to you, and today is no different, Mr. Jokom. Uh, now, if I'm correct, you met this gentleman on the blockchain cruise. Is that right? I did. I met uh, Jack at the uh, Asian blockchain cruise, and uh, we had a few uh, laughs there. And you know what? He said we were chatting about having him on the podcast. I said, you know what? How about we have you on the podcast actual uh, after I actually read your book? So. Yeah, well, he's the co-author of a book called Crypto Assets, The Innovative Investor's Guide to Bitcoin and Beyond. He's an angel investor. He's an advisor to startups in the crypto asset space and a leading market researcher, business owner. And uh, he's authored a bunch of books. He's also a, a publisher. And uh, from our pre-recording um, dialogue, uh, seems like uh, he's going to be a, a fun and informative interview. So welcome, Jack Tater, to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Well, thank you very much, guys. It's a it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. And uh, Travis, good to hear good to hear you again, and uh, that you made it home safely from uh, the Far East. There, so that's yes. all good. Very good. So you wrote a book called Crypto Assets, and you're being interviewed by a couple crypto asshats. Very good. <laughs> And, <laughs> very good and 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 i'm taking it that you read it since you said that you would have me on after you read it that is true so is that correct All well right, I, listen, I listen to the audiobook version and oh, i travel quite a little bit and whenever i'm on the plane i'll normally put my earphones in put my hood over my head and just close my eyes and then listen to books and uh so yeah had a had a great time listening to yours so uh, folks out there who are interested in the crypto space, Crypto Assets is the book, The Innovative Investor's Guide to Bitcoin and Beyond. So you guys take an approach about, you know, trading and thinking about the cryptocurrency as an asset, more so like 
you know, a lot of people think about the technology about blockchain and, and that particular thing. You guys, this is, I think this is the first book that, that talked about crypto as as assets and how you could pot- potentially invest in them uh, as a as a speculative tool. So great stuff. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I wrote it with Chris Berniski and uh, Chris at the time was an analyst with ARK Invest and ARK Invest was uh one of the first uh, fund managers to put together an investment uh, with Bitcoin in it. And uh, I had written, I had actually written a number of books on retirement. So I was coming to it from the financial perspective. So when Chris and I met up, we, uh, we really felt that there was a need for someone to explore the whole concept of investing in crypto assets and doing it from the uh, prudent investing uh, approach. And that's kind of what we tried to do with the book and, and tried to pull together for the both the audio and the print version. You know, there, there's so many people that we see in the crypto space that are just all about making money, right? And certainly if you're investing, you want to make money, but you want to be smart with your investments. And uh, blockchain is, is revolutionary technology. And I think there's just so many people that are focusing on just the how can I 10x, you know, my investment. And how do how do we stop those people from getting the attention? Because we're not going to stop them from talking like that. But how do we get people focused on what's really important here with blockchain and investing in crypto? Well, what we what we've tried to do with with the book and uh, and I had written on this topic previously is for people to take a look at crypto assets in the same manner that they would take a look at any other asset, stocks, equities, or things of that nature. And and, it, and it's really my belief. And I mean, I'm, I am a believer in the blockchain. I am belie- a believer in the Bitcoin technology. I believe that this will have societal impact above and beyond what we've seen. Uh, but it's my feeling that for this to really get out there into the public, the public needs to understand this in the context of how they understand things currently. And and from an investment standpoint, I wanted people to look at this as uh, similarly to how they look at stocks and bonds. And as such, if you're going to invest in this, and once once an asset is on an exchange and you're trading uh, and you're buying it for another asset or you're buying it for fiat, you're in essence investing in this. So as such, you are now an investor and you should be playing by the rules that have been out there for for investors, asset allocation, modern portfolio theory, all of those types of things. So it was it's my feeling that if we get people thinking around thinking about this in the context of another asset, I think it'll expand the whole consciousness uh, of people looking at this space and recognizing the impact that this could have. Uh, but if people just looked at this as a get rich scheme and just said, you know, my my barber told me about this, my cousin told me about it, and you don't do it in the context of investing, then we run the risk of this being a, a fad and, uh, and, and something that really is not going to take hold. So by having people look at this as an investment, with the tools and resources that are available with other investments, then I think we have the ability for this to really take hold and really uh, achieve the impact that I think it'll have on society uh, overall. So, and that's great. I, I think that, you know, looking at this as an asset and not just a, you know, a lot of people look at it, cryptocurrency as, oh, it's a scam. Oh, it's a Ponzi scheme. Oh, only criminals use it, right? And you guys covered that. And so you had, you know, a few different parts of the book. You have the what in part one, you have the why in part two and the how 
in part three of your book. And on in, in part two, you really kind of go into the details of that modern portfolio theory and how you construct a portfolio and maybe examples of of a percentage of of different assets that you place into uh, your portfolio. If you maybe could uh, could touch base on that a little bit for our listeners, I think that there's a lot of people out there who are thinking about crypto and they're thinking about you know traditional investing, and a lot of our listeners maybe don't even do traditional investing. Like they've not invested in the stock market. They've not done some of those things. And so crypto is kind of a new thing, which is getting, you know, different people uh, into investing or speculating into these assets. And that's new for a lot of people. So maybe you could talk about your theory on the modern portfolio. Well, I mean, let's take a look at what recently happened with uh, the ups and downs in the crypto market. So for people who aren't familiar with diversification and and being able to stomach the risk and the roller coaster that's involved with this. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I just my stomach got a little turned Is that by a all projectile the vomit? That was because I can't handle all the ups and downs. Sorry. Did I I didn't hit uh, you there, not Jack, not too I? badly. I I'm I'm able I'm wiping it off now. Clean up on aisle 3. So uh so basically uh I'll I'll keep I'll 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 keep progressing here although it's a little it's 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 a little muck and mire here um where I am uh but basically we've seen we've seen these ups and downs and for people who are investors and like you say a lot of people may not be the traditional investors and may be getting involved in this and and taking a look at speculating and and maybe just running the uh just running the uh, the fast tracks here that are going on with crypto. Uh, when you see something go down drastically, and we've seen crypto, we've seen Bitcoin go down 50% at times. And for a traditional investor, there's a need to diversify to protect yourself against these types of wide swings in the market. Uh, so people will invest in stocks and bonds because they move differently. Stocks go up while bonds go down. Bonds go up while stocks go down. So in taking a look at the crypto market, we wanted to take a look at whether or not there's a correlation between the the price of cryptos and the price of other assets. And as you know from the book, Travis, we've gone through an extensive way of looking at uh, how correlated uh, are uh, crypto assets to stocks and bonds. And the reality is what we found is that there's no correlation, that there's that it's it is a non-correlated asset, which basically means if the stock market was to crash and go down, that wouldn't have an impact on your crypto. And that provides diversification. Now similarly, when you have crypto that uh goes down uh significantly, the thought is that you'd have uh stocks and bonds uh, would not be impacted. So you'd be able to stomach a lot of these wide swings in the market uh, that we've seen with crypto if you had diversification into other assets. So the whole ability of putting together a portfolio and an investment portfolio that's based on different asset allocation models and percentages can help people to weather uh, these fluctuations and also be able to basically build a portfolio that's effective for them based on their stage of life. I mean, for a guy like me who's a little bit closer to retirement than, I, than Travis is, I want to protect my assets. So for somebody like Travis, who maybe has a little more time working time, he may be able to take a little more risk with crypto. So it's it's all about building an allocation model that works for your particular situation. Travis told me he was going to retire next year and go get his own private island uh, because he's just, you know, he's sick of people. 
That was that was after I buy my lamb my Lambos. You're gonna drive your Lambo uh, through. I'm gonna gonna get a Lamb boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jack, you you know investing because of crypto has the mindset has has shifted, especially among millennials. In fact, we uh, we saw a survey recently from Blockchain Capital. Um, and covered this a bit, that 30% of those that are aged 18 to 34 would rather invest $1,000 in Bitcoin than $1,000 in government bonds or stocks. Uh, you deal a lot with, uh, you know, the retirement space. And so that's riskier, you know, for like, as you were saying, for somebody that, hey, you know, oh, I'm retiring soon, need to keep my money in place. But what do you think, you know, is this trend with millennials trusting crypto more than bonds and, and stocks, you know, just going to increase? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I think it's great. And I think it's great. I've often said that that I think crypto is like a gateway drug, investment drug for millennials, because what we what we are doing and, and what we've seen. And, and I think of this own situation with my with my with my kids, you know, they went that they went through 2008 and they saw the stock market collapse they saw friends of theirs, fathers lose their jobs, and they basically looked at the stock market and said, you know what? This is a rigged system. This is something, this is like a casino. Why would I invest in this? And so when I was growing up, it was, oh, if you had a couple extra bucks, go put it in a Vanguard fund, go put it in a mutual fund. Well, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing millennials are saying, the heck with that. I'm going to put it in crypto. I can get the action in crypto. And the reality is I understand it better. And also, it doesn't have all of these players in there who are mucking up the system and rigging it for their own for their own way. So what we're starting to see is we're starting to see uh, millennials go and invest and, and make their their first investments into crypto. And I think it's great. But also, once you start doing that, you have to recognize that you still have to diversify. So what we're seeing is we're seeing uh, millennials going into these investments and they're recognizing that maybe Bitcoin goes up while Ethereum goes down or I made a killing on NEO uh, but my Bitcoin didn't go anywhere. So I'm going to diversify and I'm going to allocate uh, amongst these different asset groups. And that's great. I think that's great because now people are starting to learn about diversification and all of those different things, which I think will take them later on. I'm not saying that they have to then go and invest in stocks. I don't know what the stock market's going to look like. I don't know what investments are going to look like 10, 20 years from now. But I do think that a lot of the things that we've learned about investing uh, will play out regardless of what type of assets are out there. We're already seeing the ICO market really making an impact on the traditional capital raising markets that we've seen with the financial service companies. And I think that's a great thing as well. It's making it much more democratic. It's allowing people to get into things. It's also forcing people to have to do their own education and their own due diligence. So all these all these people, these millennials who are getting into cryptos, my hope is that they're educating themselves and they're learning as much as they can about the cryptos they're going into. And so many of them are learning about technical analysis as well. So all these are good tools and resources that they're going to need to have for investing down the road. So I think it's all a good thing. And and I think what 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 upsets me very much from the financial service area is how the existing financial service companies are not allowing any of their financial advisors to even discuss 
Bitcoin with any of their clients. So not only are they are they keeping the ability for their clients to earn substantial returns, they're also not allowing themselves to speak to the next generation. So all of a sudden, that next generation is going to grow up and they're going to have assets. And now the financial service companies are going to say, oh, OK, we're ready to talk to you now. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say the hell with you. You didn't talk to me before. You're not talking to me now. So they're going to lose this whole generation because of their insane approach towards crypto assets. You know, you, you hit the nail on the head right there on a, on a few different points. One of my one of my good friends I've known for 25 years, and he's a financial advisor. And uh, with the company that he works for, he does not even feel comfortable searching for anything on his phone or his laptop that has anything to do with crypto because he knows that they're monitoring his devices. And so he has his own special laptop and a, his own phone that he'll use to to listen to podcasts and to do research on that space. So it is interesting to see how the old guard is viewing this. And you can tell, you know, they're threatened and they, you know, they don't fully understand it. I mean, I've had conversations with people who have worked in banks for years, and then I'll ask them what they think about cryptocurrency, and, and, they'll, and they'll give me that, oh, like what, like Bitcoin? Oh, like, isn't that only criminals using that on the dark web? Like, like really? Like, you got your talking points down there. So it's, it's, I think it's not even the fact that, you know, it's, it's, it's systematic, but I think that they are keeping information away from a whole lot of people. So they're not doing their own due diligence in the space. Would, would you concur? Oh, absolutely. I would totally concur with you. And I think it's a I think it's a real shortcoming of the whole industry. I mean, when we heard over and over Jamie uh, Dimon, who our our friend at our cruise, uh, uh, John McAfee was calling Jamie Demon. Uh, which I thought was very interesting. When when Jamie Dimon is out there calling this a, a fad and a fraud, I, I, he's not doing any service to his his customers because he's basically telling them to ignore this. So he's telling them to ignore the returns that this has that these assets have have earned. Uh, he's telling his advisors to ignore this, so they can't discuss this with their with their clients. I, I mean, can you imagine it? Here I am. Here I am, a, a a client with a financial advisor, and my son is out there making thirty, forty percent in in uh, crypto assets. And I call my advisor, and my advisor says, "Oh, hey, you should be happy. We're making seven percent." And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why can't you get me into something my son is making thirty or forty percent? On. Oh, no, no, we can't talk about that. We can't discuss that with you. We can't even find a little sleeve in your portfolio as an alternative asset, which I think crypto assets does fit the criteria as a, as a alternative asset that we can't even find that in a person's portfolio. We can't even discuss that. It's so short sighted. They're going to miss the next generation. But what they're also doing is they're not doing justice to their clients by not discussing these things. And the reason, Travis, the reason they're doing this is because they have not figured out how to make money with this. And, and that is the big secret of the financial service industry. They will tell you to buy anything if they know how to make money with it. They haven't figured out how to make money with, with Bitcoin. Now, they, they did figure that out with the futures markets. So they opened up the future market and now they know how, now they know how to make a little bit of money there. What we're going to start to see is you're going to start to see ETFs. You're going to start to see mutual funds that are going to come out. And then all of a sudden, the financial service companies are going to start to say, 
oh, you know what? We had a change of heart here. We can discuss this with you because they figured out how to make money on this. And then when they get to that point, then they're going to start bringing in asset allocation and all these other things. But why haven't they been doing it prior? And the reason is because they have not figured out how to make money on it. They will. And you're going to start to see them talking to their clients over the next next couple of years because we're going to start to see ETFs and we're going to start to see mutual funds. But that's the reason that they haven't just been discussing this with their clients. And they've been doing them a real, a real dis, uh, disjustice to their um, injustice to their uh, portfolios. Jack, we've heard that there's billions sitting on the sidelines, you know, waiting for the time to come in. Do you feel like it's that they're waiting on regulation? Is that what it you know comes down to where there's some safety net for them that, you know, there's this agreed upon way that the government is going to deal with this? Regulation is definitely something that the firms are are concerned about or interested in. They have to be. They have to be because uh, we've had so many changes that have happened in the industry. Uh, the, the Department of Labor regulations where uh, every advisor has to be a fiduciary when they're managing clients' uh, retirement accounts. The, the regulations that are out there require the firms to really play ball with what the regulators are saying. So yes, they are waiting on the regulators and the regulators are a roadblock here. They're still trying to get their arms around what this is and understand it and and step forward in a manner that doesn't kill this, but allows this to continue to grow. And I think there's a responsibility on the part of the community to educate. And I know there's some great groups out there, the, the Chamber of Digital Commerce and some other groups out there who are meeting with, with lawmakers and regulators to try and inform them on what's going on here. But yes, I do think the firms are waiting on the regulators uh, just from the perspective of what Bitcoin is and also from the perspective of ICOs. ICOs is another big problem. I mean, right now, you guys know this, right now you want to get into an ICO and you're just a typical investor you know, a year ago, anybody could have gotten into any ICO. Now you can't get into an ICO. And the reason is if you don't have enough money, you're not an accredited investor or a US, you're, you're a U.S. citizen. So if you're a U.S. citizen, you can't get into ICOs anymore. I, I mean, it's it's outrageous. And it, and it is it, it is a problem with the regulators. Regulators need to kick it up. They need to step it up. But I also think there's people in the community who also need to help uh, educate the regulators and help them to recognize what we have in front of us here. Now, you bring up a couple of interesting points there that I want to talk, talk about now. So we have a show once a week where we have, you know, two or three ICOs on. We call the ICO Spotlight, and those shows are typically sponsored. But we go through an evaluation process on each one of them to ensure that we're bringing on, you know, quality, uh, you know, different projects because there's so many different ones going on. We like to kind of mix it up and have ones that are doing unique things that are trying to solve unique problems. And so, you know, from your perspective, what are some of the the key points that maybe you look at when you're evaluating a crypto asset? Well, in, in the book, we talk about uh, evaluating ICOs, and it's a very, very important role. I mean, I come at this from two perspectives. First of all, I have a uh, an investment firm where we are constantly reviewing ICOs, and we are we are working with a lot of startup businesses here. Uh, we, I view them no differently than I would view any of the biz, any other business that I would be investing in. Do they have a business model? Will they have customers? What's the competition look like? 
all of the things that go into understanding any type of a business. You have to evaluate that. Now, that being said, there are some very specific things with ICOs. The white paper. How detailed is the white paper? The white paper is very similar to any stock or fund uh, prospectus where they lay out, you know, this is what we're, we're doing. So uh, the white paper is always a starting point for you to look at. The thing that's very important for us is who is on the team. And the team is typically made up of three aspects. Who are the developers? Who are the, who's the management team? And then who are the advisory team? And you know yourself, when you look at, when you look at ICOs, you see a lot of people who you've met, a lot of people who you know, who are involved with the project, and it gives it somewhat of a seal of approval, so to speak. Uh, from the developer standpoint, it may not be that easy to, to evaluate who the developers are, but you can go in and you can see where they were involved with other projects, maybe where their background is, and all of those types of things. I, I find it really interesting when we were researching the book, There is, and, and even beyond that, there's a wealth of information that's out there with sites like Crypto Compare, where you can actually go in and you can see how active is the developer community and how active is the regular community um, around a certain thing. Now, these may be ICOs that are out there in the market, but people have to get familiar with using these resources out there. So those are some things we want to take a look at. Uh, Travis, I mean, you hit it. You hit the nail on, on the head. You have to do due diligence on these ICOs. We have seen so many ICOs that have come through that are absolute garbage. And when we evaluate an ICO, we will say one of the first questions we say to someone is, why are you raising money through a coin versus through equity? And if and a lot of times I've spoken to companies that say, well, right now, the easiest way to raise money is through coins. If that's why you're raising money through a coin and you couldn't do it through raising money for equity, it's not an investment I want. I, I look at companies in a similar way that we used to look at IPOs years ago. Uh, would, would I buy into this company? And the coin has to be an integral part of their business and not just something that they're doing just to raise money. So that's another thing that we take a look at as well when we evaluate these ICOs. Well, let's talk about some currency specifically. You co-authored a work called What's the Deal with Bitcoins? I kind of hear Andy Rooney. What's <laughs> the deal with Bitcoin? Uh, and, you know, Bitcoin has had a wild ride up at the end of 2017 and then, uh, you know, found its dip here in early 2018, currently sitting a little bit below $12,000. And I don't know if you like to look into the crystal ball and make some predictions, but I am curious where you think we're headed in the short term and then end of year. Well, in the short term, I think, and I'm, and I'm saying this strictly from a technical perspective, I think we've got to we've got to get over the twelve thousand dollar hump, and we've got to basically start to form a, a little bit of a base over twelve thousand. And I think if you look technically at the charts or the charts that I've looked at, once we get over twelve thousand, then I think we're we're at a point where we can get into a new trading range. How high that trading range will go, I don't know. Part of what's going on with with Bitcoin and and uh, the increase in Bitcoin is around the utility value of Bitcoin. I mean, right now we're we're at a point where we've gone past the speculative value of Bitcoin. They're still built into the price, but we need to see some more utility value. And I do think that there is a little bit of a wait and see around some of these scaling issues that are going on, some of these topics about SegWit and, and some of these transaction 
speeds that are going on that that I think the marketplace wants to get more comfortable with. And so I think once we see that, then potentially we can really see a, a run up. I, I know in terms of, I think the last prediction I did and uh, I've decided not to do predictions, but the last prediction I did was, was last year where I basically said that we would hit 20,000 in 2020. And that was really because of of the uh, alliteration there involved with, with 20,000. But I do think that we have the potential uh, if we are able to break through this range and get into a new trading range. We see some of these issues worked out for Bitcoin where we could potentially see 20,000 by the end of this year. Now, I want to I ask you a question like for the skeptics. Right. Because, I mean, we've had some people like in our mastermind group, we've like, they're like, oh, man, we've heard that, you know, James Altucher said that 90 percent of these ICOs are scams. And so why are you promoting ICOs on the show? Don't have ICOs on. And then we've also talked to folks like Ian Bellina, who, you know, has a, a pretty big reputation of doing some deep analysis on some of these ICOs. And he was able to create pretty substantial wealth by investing in the right ICOs. And so we don't really make recommendations on bad crypto. We don't tell people what to invest in. We just tell people like, here's some cool things that are going on. Here's the problems that they solve. And uh, here are some interesting things that's going on in the space. But we don't ever make recommendations because we don't think that's wise because we're not financial advisors. Now, what, what is some of the advice that you would give someone who is maybe sitting on the fence thinking about ICOs or they're thinking about investing in some of these crypto assets, what is something that might help them in their research to maybe get off the fence? Well, I think you have to have a healthy skepticism about the ICOs that are out there right now. Uh, so I think that's that's a fair thing to say. I, I wouldn't say 90% of them are a scam, but there's a lot of them that are. I think you've got to view this from the perspective of if this was a business and and making a business case and was going to have something that people were, were going to use uh, and and in essence, uh, live up to the promise that's in the white paper. Does it really have a shot at doing that? And and I mean, the easiest thing is if you see a shoddily written white paper, or you don't see things put together well enough when someone is out there asking for your money for a coin, then avoid it. Because I think the reality is the good projects that are out there right now are projects that have already gone through angel investors and early stage investors like myself and, and other funds that are out there uh, where they've said, let's put something together that that really looks good. So we put our best foot forward when we do our ICO. I mean, that's the whole point. You want to put your best foot forward when you go and raise money. IPOs do it. Uh, and an ICO should do it as well. If an ICO is out there just raising money and they've had no other money and they're out there doing an ICO to raise money, to me, that's a red flag. I would rather invest in an ICO that seems more professional, that has probably gone through some preceding or maybe some seeding uh, with a uh, an angel investor or with some investment group where they basically have that product looking good. They can answer all the questions uh, that are needed. For, for raising money, and they're not raising money just for, the, just for the point of raising money. They're raising money to now build the business that others have invested in. And they're not easy to find, but you can find them. You ha and that goes back to that healthy skepticism that you have. And it also goes back to going through the white papers, reviewing the white papers, and seeing who was involved 
in the project and who are the developers and all of those other aspects and viewing it as if it was any other type of business. Well, Jack, the, the one question that our, uh, our listeners really want to know the answer to is when Lambo, when Moon? Well, I think, uh, I think the Moon is uh, still a few years away. This is not going away. This is totally not, not going away. And there are some great projects that are uh, being undertaken. I mean, we see many of them that, that aren't even coming to the ICO stage yet uh, that are absolutely going to knock people's socks off. Uh, so there is still stuff out there that's, that's coming forward. And this is going to change the way that people invest and the way that money gets raised. So uh, to the moon, uh, we're still far away from, getting, from even getting to the moon. I think at this point, uh, that's fine because spring is coming and I don't mind, you know, my socks not having them because, you know, I'm a flip flop kind of guy. Right, 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 right. Well, the Lambo, the, I mean, the Lambo, you, if you make a good call and you make some money, great. But I, I have to tell you, I, I, what I'm seeing from people is less buying Lambos and more making a profit and reinvesting it into the space. And I think that's a good thing. Less Lambo, more Rambo. Right, right. <laughs> Jack, what about, so you guys are doing research on ICOs, you're doing research on crypto assets now, and you'd mentioned that there are some that are coming up that's maybe going to blow people's socks off, and it's really interesting space. So maybe what are, and I know, you know, not from a financial advisor perspective, but maybe what are some some crypto assets that are, that are in the pipeline that are coming up that we may want to do our own research on? Well, I think the, the thing that I, the thing that I'm seeing right now are not so much not so much applications around like you know everybody talks about oh got to have something in real estate or you've got to have something in some of these existing business models what we're finding to be very exciting are the more technology and platform based uh solutions that are out there they may not be as sexy as saying look here's a new way of uh people making money on real estate but uh, they could be technology very similar to what we're what we saw with the project uh, Filecoin. I mean, Filecoin was a very ballyhooed uh, ICO uh, a while ago. Basically, introduced the whole SAFT uh, approach, uh, where basically people would be able to get paid for um, for disk storage, and it's a very interesting concept. But that's a concept that has a business model, but it also has a technology model to it. So I think what we're seeing where we're really excited are those technology-based uh, solutions that are out there, because I still think we, we're, at the, we're still at an early stage with the blockchain and the crypto space, and we still need to get a lot of the foundation, a lot of the infrastructure built. And I think that's where I would be looking right now for for those companies that I think are going to last into the future and be the real um, the real gainers down the road. Well, Jack, uh, thanks for joining us today and making us just a little less bad. We uh, we appreciate it. The book is Crypto Assets: The Innovative Investor's Guide to Bitcoin and Beyond. Find that where all fine books are sold, and your uh, your company website, Gem Research solutions.com and, and what do you guys do there well we're actually um, uh, that's just one of the companies that i that i run but uh that we're actually a market research company you mentioned before that book uh what's the deal with bitcoin that actually grew out of some of the work we were doing in the research space i would also send people to bitcoin and beyond.com that was a site we built specifically for the book and there you can find uh articles updated articles that are written by chris 
uh, Beniski and myself, uh, as well as linking to our Twitter feed. So uh, that's probably a little more crypto uh, asset based. Yeah, that was great. We did notice on the crypto resources page that bad crypto didn't seem to be a crypto resource. On <laughs> well, Travis, Travis, the thing, the <laughs> thing I have to tell you, and I, and I, I, I am saying, I am saying an apology here, and we do need to update it on the site. But what was interesting is when we wrote the book, we basically had to have that book done about a year ago. And uh, so we had to be very concerned about some moving parts. So uh, I apologize. We weren't that. there. We, didn't we weren't there a year ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. We weren't even born a year yeah. ago. This is, you know, yeah. So, so, I, so I, I apologize, but that was when the publisher uh, wanted us to have this done. But we will update it on the website and we'll put a list of, uh, uh, of some podcasts and we will definitely list you guys. So I'll make sure of that. Yeah, you, you can make it up to us, Jack, by just putting us front and center and, you know, screw the rest of your content. Nobody needs That's that. Right. No just problem. Link to bankrupt, though. No problem. <laughs> thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. All right, it. guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Good stuff, Mr. Travis Wright. And I hope you got your bags packed because we're hitting the road. We're going somewhere else? Where are we going now? I should probably look at my calendar. Again. I should look at Going to Austin for South by Southwest again. Yeah, we're off to see the wizard mm. and to 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 meet with over 1200 people who have signed up for the bad crypto meetup at South by Southwest. And it's not too late to register at badco.in forward slash meetup. If you're going to be at Austin and uh, that is on the 10th, I believe. Is that correct? I can't keep all the dates straight. I'm not sure. What is the demographics of those 1200 people? Is it like 97% dudes or what? Do we know? I don't know. We're, we're, <laughs> we're going to find out. We hope there's some crypto chicks there. But it happens at the Chug and Monkey on the, the Chug e. and Monkey. We're meeting people at a place called the Chug and Monkey. Yep. Uh, starts at five o'clock on Saturday, the 10th. I was not consulted with this. And we're also on the 9th, we're doing Bad Crypto Live at the Crypto House. You have to apply to come to this one because this is going to be a highfalutin deal. Invites are already in, invites are already done on that yeah. one. Yeah, I don't know the secret bat phone at this point. And we are waiting on a final agreement to come in for one more appearance that we intend to do. I believe on Tuesday the thirteenth um, for another crypto event, and we'll uh, summit. Yeah, yeah. So we'll let you guys know about that. But um, the shows from this week or this next week are going to be a little this, little that. We might interrupt our regularly programmed schedule to uh, to bounce out another episode from Austin. Uh, we're going to meet all kinds of interesting people there. So we're going to be flexible. We'll have our portable studio with us and uh, and we'll see what happens. But we're looking forward to it. Yeah, there are some amazing people that have signed up to come through some of these events. There are a bunch of bright folks in this space. And uh, if you're at South by, you know, hopefully you can come by one of those events where we're going to be at because there's a lot of really cool stuff happening around crypto uh, at South by Southwest starting tomorrow. Mr. Joel Com, let's cry. Yeah, going to be exciting. So we're on our way. Hope to meet you guys there. Make sure and come by. And when you do, tell us to stay back.
The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Less Rambo. More. Oh, wait a second. That came out wrong. Who's bad?